Good morning, everyone, and welcome into the Fight HQ podcast as we're here to break down UFC Singapore. Of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr., which, you know what? Got to give Pete his flowers. He came in here last week. He said Sean O'Malley's going to do it. And, uh, I mean, look, we know you love striking. I mean, what a beautiful counterpunch right hand that he landed, Pete, last week. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? I'm I'm really, really happy that that worked out for us. you know the the picks were were pretty good last week. I went ten and two, but the uh, it's all about exposure, right? Like I should have had a massive night for DFS, and I just didn't because the one underdog that you really needed was Kurt Hollibaugh, and I was way too light on him. Um, so I mean, I'm really happy that Sean O'Malley did it, especially because from a betting standpoint, it kept me afloat. Um, you know, and if you had the correct combination and got to some Kurt Hollibaugh with Sean O'Malley, you know, it, it definitely helped out. It was a good card. Uh, a relatively disappointing main card uh, outside the main event and co-main event. But, um, yeah, I, I thought Zhang Wei Li looked like an absolute monster and just absolutely destroyed this slate. Putting up 200 fantasy points was ridiculous. I, I remember um, because, obviously, I was working the Bucks game, and kind of by the time I, I got done uh, with, with work, it was really when the main event started. And when I logged into DraftKings and I saw 190 points. I mean, oh and, then, and then you just look at the fight stats, and you're like six takedowns. What was it? 16 minutes of control time. And the fact is, I mean, what, she had what? 180, 200, you know, significant strikes and where man, Lamos only landed 29. I mean, Lamos yeah. had that one submission attempt, but like, man, that, that's just last week. If you did not have Whaley in your lineup, you, you didn't cash. Yeah. And that's the fear, right? That's the fear of a five rounder. And, um, you know, just the, the potential, the, the ceiling for these five round fighters is enormous. Um, a lot of times they don't reach, the pinnacle of the of the scoring uh, of you know getting all that you know accrued points they they end up just sometimes just doing enough. Uh, we have a massive massive price tag attached to Max Holloway this week, and it's the same type of thing. Like, can you avoid him in a very very favorable matchup? Five rounds where I'm expecting him to go out there and just dismantle the Korean Zombie. Um, so, I mean, it comes down to, like, you can pivot to other 9,000 options and save a little bit. But sometimes chalk is good. And, like, Jane Wei Lee went out there and just, if you pivoted away from her, it was very difficult to cash. Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at the scores from last week, and, and this is something that, and it's actually something I've wrote down here, in terms of, you know, look at potentially targeting these these mid-range fighters. And you look at last week, Kareem Silva, who's 8,300, goes out there and gets almost 123 points. You mentioned about Kurt Hallbach getting 101 points. Brad Katona at 8,500 gets 96. And if you want to go up a little higher, Ron Levera, 8,600, ends up getting going out there and getting 86 points. So that's one of those things, and, and we talk about on DraftKings all the time, is, is targeting these these fires could potentially go out there and get the takedowns. That's which is still kind of scary about the main event because you know Max Holloway is not a takedown artist. But as we talk about game theory leading into this one, you know, I mean, the, the when I was putting together my spreadsheet last night and you know I was looking at these salaries, you know, the first thing that, that sticks out to you is we've got three massive favorites on this card and and. and in Holloway, Nakamura, and Aldrich, and of course, one of the questions we got already into the show is about you know a three fire parlay where you don't include those fires. I mean, with Max Holloway, I mean it's, I mean ninety seven hundred man. I mean we we need that five rounds out of Max Holloway and and almost like go out there and put on a Calvin Kerr type performance. Yeah, I mean I I think that you know from a simple build standpoint, hand building. If you're not really familiar with the other 9,000 options, just pick Max Holloway at 9,700. I understand the ridiculous price tag, but the ceiling's enormous. We've seen him in five-round fights. If it does go the distance, I mean, he put up 153 against Yair. If he does that, you're going to need him. 209 against Calvin Cater. Um, if he does that, you're going to need him. Fourth-round TKO win over Brian Ortega. Scored 164. Anything above 120, you're going to need this guy. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's pretty likely he's going to score over 120 points. There have been matchups in the past where he's gone the distance in 25-minute fights. Arnold Allen only scored 89. But I think that the movement, the opposite stance of Arnold Allen just makes things a little bit more tricky than a Korean zombie. 
losing to Volkanovski in a five-round fight, scoring 58. So, like, there is room for him to disappoint at this price tag. But given the state of the Korean Zombie in 2023, I think that this is going to be somewhat of a sad performance. I don't think that the Korean Zombie is going to go out on top. Um, outside of him catching Max Holloway with a big shot, I, I don't know, man. I'm just super biased towards Holloway. I think it's going to be one-way traffic. Yeah, the only thing that scares me about Holloway, and we'll talk more about as we break down the fight, maybe is a third round finish. I mean, I, you're hoping maybe a fourth or fifth round going in there. But like as you know, as I look at other game theory options here, I look at the co-main event as a fight that you gotta. I don't know how good you're going to feel on either side of it. Of course, a, a rematch, first fight ends it in a submission. You know, Ryan Spann to me, he's a guy that it's first round upside, but always kind of concerns me if it makes it out of that first round. You know, I, I look at Chikadze and Ceseris. I mean. Obviously, there, there's a path to victory for both sides there. We got a low-level heavyweight fight, which I feel like you're going to have to target, and you ain't going to feel good either way on that one. Obviously, uh, Blanchfield, we all know, young fighter, takedown upside. Thalia Santos, we've seen what she can do there. Uh, but there's other fighters on this card that I sit there and I look at. You know, I look at someone at, at 8,700 and Garrett Armfield. And I know people are going to look at that Onama fight, but the fact is he was up a weight class, and we always talk about there's gyms we want to back. You know, there, there's various gyms that we've talked about, and Killcliffe FC is one of those gyms we like to back. Yeah, I like Killcliffe FC. I mean, I like that fight in general. I'll be getting to some Garrett Armfield, and I will definitely be getting to one of my most interesting underdogs in Toshioma Kazama uh, just because of his grappling skill set and in losses we've seen that Garrett Armfield can can get submitted. So um, I, I do think that the mid price is always nice to to find those leveraged spots and find the the fighter that it's kind of going lost in the shuffle. Um, I just I think Garrett Armfield's good. Uh, I'm going to back American wrestling all day long, um, but I am concerned about the jujitsu gap between the two. Um, but I, I'm with you. I like that fight. I think that's a very very sneaky bantamweight about the target for for this weekend's DFS slate. Any other fights that uh, stick out to you, a, a fight you want to target in terms of your game theory? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm i kind of, since I'm, I'm going to be exposed to Toshioma Kazama from an underdog standpoint, it's making me, you know, get away from Armfield a little bit more mm -hmm. and target somebody who's slightly cheaper in Junior Tafa. I, I think that Junior Tafa is going to go out there and, and knock out Parker Porter. Obviously, there's... Um, you know, concerns about his takedown defense, but the 8,600 price tag of a very dynamic striker mm -hmm. in Junior Tafa. Yes, he lost to Muhammad Usman, um, but I, I think that, you know, Parker Porter is a little too willing to engage on the feet sometimes, and uh, that the previous matchup and win over Braxton Smith doesn't really do a lot for me. So, um, <laughs> you mean, you I, mean I, a fire I, I, I after one a, fight in the UFC? I got, a, I got a lot of bad <laughs> things to say about Braxton Smith. Um, get that yeah, too big, yeah, too big gas tank. Pretty good. Yeah, I got a lot to say. So don't even get me started because I cannot believe I even picked that guy. I just yeah. thought it was. But, but even when we broke down that fight, we mentioned that we're like, look, you know, cardio is a liability here, and and we saw he had about two minutes uh, of, of cardio. It wasn't even. I mean, it was cardio, but it was just like he had that quit in him. And Parker Porter was just like, okay, here it is. Showed him the yeah. door, and he took it. Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here on a Thursday morning. We'll let everyone know our, our plan is to do the show Thursdays at 1 p.m. each time. This is just one of those Thursdays that uh, I could not do uh, 1 p.m. as I got a I got a meeting coming up here in about two hours from now, so not going to do that. So, but we do appreciate everyone uh, joining us here on an early Thursday morning. Uh, Anthony, good morning to you, man. And also, uh, Kevin talked about how to, he'll be getting up at 5 a.m. for these fights and not happy about it. That is, by the way, 5 a.m. Eastern time is lock on Saturday morning. That's when the pre will start course in Singapore. The main car will be at 8 a.m. Of course, all these fights will air on ESPN+. Plus. Of course, uh, we will have a DraftKings contest. I'll get that contest up here later on today. Of course, uh, be sure to join our Discord channel. Totally free to join. Great community that we have in our Discord channel. Also, uh, if you look in those show notes, you can see our, our merch store. If you want to get some Fight HQ merch, great way to show your support here for what me and Pete do. And, of course, if you want to send us a super chat, we always appreciate those as well. But let's get right into the main event. We got Max Holloway taking on 
the Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Max Holloway is a 8-1 to one betting favorite here. Plus 550 for the Zombie over on DK. 9700 for Max and 6500 for the Korean Zombie. And, of course, as we do this show, the lines uh, have not come out over on FanDuel. Yeah, I, I really like Max Holloway. Um, touched on it before. Um, High-volume striker, very accurate, very good boxer. Um, I, I think that the only person within the division to really give him problems is Alex Volkanovsky. I mean, he's lost to him three straight times. Um, but outside of that, like you see what he does. He's a very high volume striker, puts together great combinations. There was a time where his durability was in question and we were starting to worry about him absorbing shots, but that those concerns have somewhat diminished. Uh, I think the 9,700 price tags, excellent. Um, would I rather have him over JJ Aldrich? Yes. Rolando Bedoya? Yes. Waldo Cortez Acosta? Yes. Giga Chikadze? Yes. For me, it's the argument. Do you like Max Holloway or Rinya Nakamura? Um, because I do think that Rinya Nakamura has significant ceiling on this, on this slate as well. So, um, it's kind of like one A, one B for me, but given the five round nature, and where the Korean zombie is at this given day, I'm going to go that Max Holloway is the easiest play on the slate. Um, and I, I think that he's going to end up breaking the slate given his, uh, given everything I just touched on. I will say this. There, there's been a lot of rumblings about this potentially could be the zombies last matchup. Um, you know, one of the things that always kind of concerns me with Max Holloway, I don't know if you have the same concern here or not, is this is a guy who obviously we, we've seen the volume that he puts out, but he's also taking a lot of punishment. And you kind of wonder, we, we never know when that downside of the career could happen. I, I don't think it's here, but that's always something to concern with. You know, as I look over at prize picks here, uh, significant strikes for Max Holloway, 93 and a half. By the way, no takedown props over over at uh, Price Picks currently. So I'm interested to kind of see if maybe something gets put up there. Uh, 16 and a half fight time minutes and a 120 and a half fantasy score. If I was going to attack any of those over there, I'd probably attack the fantasy score of, of going more than 120 and a half. Also, I would rather go over uh, more than 93 and a half significant strikes. Uh, the, the fight time minutes... I, I would, if I was going to play a side there, I'd probably be looking at the more than less, but I do kind of have some concerns about maybe Max finishes them, you know, second, third round type situation. So uh, to me, I think on prize picks, you either attack fantasy scores, significant strikes. And, and I've talked about this on prize picks. If you're playing over there, I know people love to put those five-player cards together, but to me, I, I'm more about putting two and, and three props together to really maximize there. I mean, if, if you're zombie... I think the thought has got to be you try to get this fight to the ground, right? I mean, not. I, I mean, look know. where he trains. I mean, you got a ton of great wrestlers in that gym. Yeah, I guess. The, the thing is, it's like the zombie has attempted takedowns basically at the similar rate that Max Holloway does. They do so to complement their, you know, their striking or to, to win close rounds. Or if they start to get in trouble, they'll start to shoot a takedown. Um, he attempted five against Dan Ige. He landed three of them. Um, outside of that, you got to go back to his fifth round TKO loss to Yair Rodriguez, where he went 0 of 5 in the takedown department. I don't think that Max Holloway is easy to get taken down, never mind controlled. So um, I, I think it's just go out there and be aggressive and try to just dictate the center of the octagon and keep Max Holloway on his rear foot and, and constantly put the pressure. But I think it's, I don't know, man. I, I just, that's why I don't like the matchup for the Korean zombie. Cause I don't see a great game plan of how you beat Max Holloway in this matchup. I, I just don't see it. And if Alex Volkanovsky put all that damage on him um, and Brian Ortega was able to beat him in a five round decision, I, you know, it's not MMA math, but just from styles make fights. I think Max Holloway is going to pick him apart pick him apart in a very dominant fashion of course we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the fight hq podcast of course if you're watching this on youtube be sure to smash that thumbs up button of course if you're not subscribed to the channel be sure to do that hit that notification bell so you know when we're live here on the channel also so you know when we throw some videos up there that we take uh, clips from the show and of course if you're listening to us on the podcast platforms if you can uh, rate and review the show we really would appreciate that as well by the way if you did not catch the pfl last night uh do yourself a favor go back and watch that main event of clay collard and shane burgers 
fights, especially uh, if you like the stand-up aspect of fighting. Uh, those two boys went out there and just flung it out there for 15 minutes. I was sitting there on the recliner last night. I was like, can we just get uh, 10 more minutes of this thing? I, if it's 10 more minutes, it probably Shane Burgos probably wins. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was an excellent matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't know why Shane Burgos just – I mean, I don't know. If he added a lot more punches to his leg kicks before and after, I think it would have been a, a pretty easy decision win because the leg kicks themselves were giving Clay Collard all sorts of problems. Tons of inside leg kicks. I thought that he'd start to add more outside leg kicks and some calf kicks. He did a couple times, and it, and it tripped Clay Collard up. But Clay Collard's body work and volume punching is second to none, and he was able to just bite down on a mouthpiece and – get tough and, and out volume Shane Burgos in an exciting fight. But yeah, if it was 25 minutes, I, I think that Burgos could have, could have, uh, you know, pulled away from, from him. And, uh, you know, interest. I, I watched the PFL card yesterday. I've been watching the PFL cards all the time, massive favorites, but still some interesting prospects within the sport. I would tell you. So last time was the first time I watched Ali Walsh uh, live. Yeah. Of course, he's the grandson of Muhammad Ali. Ooh, he's got some hand speed, man. Uh, he's got some. He's got some good hands. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, he rounds out. I mean, I, I know. I mean, kind of. I would say a little bit of an early stoppage there, but it is an amateur fight. You know, live right. the fight another day. I mean, look, at the end of the day, no, no one's going to remember what your amateur record was. But I'm, I'm watching that fight. I'm like, oof, man, this is. If PFL can match him the right way, and and, and not rush him. Not mm-hmm. rush him. Kind of, kind of take that slow build with him. Be interesting. Be kind of, you know, he trains out there in Las Vegas. So uh, that was the guy that I was watching. I was like, oof, that is some, that is some hand speed. Oh, <laughs> Boy, hopefully he doesn't train at, yeah, hopefully he doesn't train at Syndicate. That's the only thing for his. Does he this, train- this hatred you have for Syndicate. <laughs> I'm going to text John Wood and go, hey, I, t- I, I got somebody who wants to come out there. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what. When I saw Zhang Wei Li had John Wood in her corner, I think that maybe they they cross-trained or whatnot because I know that she did most she, of her training in Thailand at Bang Tao. But when I saw her in the back warming up and it's John Wood, I'm like, oh, no, don't do this to me. And then she's going out there yeah. dominated. So that yeah. doesn't count, guys. That does not count. She, she splits her time between Thailand and the PI. And so, obviously, when you're in Vegas – you essentially, for the most part, you have two options. For the most part, you either go extreme couture, or you go to syndicate. I mean, there's a couple other gyms you can go to, but primarily that those are uh, interesting thing is. And also found very interesting, um, Julian Rosa was the guy who was mimicking Sean O'Malley for uh, Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. By, by the I, way, Aljo, I got a ton of respect for that guy for how he handled it. What he talked about and how goddamn transparent he was. That is something we don't see in the sport a lot, Pete. Now, I mean, I feel bad for Aljo. I mean, he's played the heel. I feel like he's a good guy. I feel like he's a nice person, and um, he's a very talented fighter. But, you know, I, I feel for guys. You know, I, I've been on the losing end. I get it. Never mind losing a championship belt. Um, You know, timing's everything. And I thought that Julian Arosa could emulate O'Malley decently well from a long, rangy, funky-looking striker. Um, But, yeah, all it takes – you reach, I teach, and uh, – Sean O'Malley taught him, you know, you, you can't overextend on that, that straight left hand. No question. Now, our co-main event of USC Singapore is a rematch that I'm not sure how many people are asking for this rematch of Ryan yeah. Spann and Anthony Smith. Ryan Spann is a minus 130 betting favorite. Anthony Smith plus 110. Spann is 8,300 on DK, 7,900 for Anthony Smith. And this is a fight that I mentioned just a little bit earlier on the show. Like, I, I feel like when we're talking about GPPs, this is a fight that you got to kind of star and say, this is a fight you probably got to get to. Yeah, I think the price tag, I think everything you have to get to the fight. Um, just given the nature of Ryan Spann, he's super volatile, uh, goes out there and throws heavy punches. We'll look for the submission finish or a knockout finish in round one or two. Anything beyond that's, you know, very unlikely for him. Um, but yeah, he is coming off a loss to Nikita Krylov. Uh, prior to that, had back-to-back wins over Dominic Reyes and Ian Kutalaba, which I love to see. And then previous to that was his loss to Anthony Smith, where mentally he looked checked out. He he got hit with a shot. He ended up getting out-controlled and then submitted. Um, you know, Anthony Smith kind of big-brothered him in that situation and bullied him. But since that fight, since that win, Anthony Smith has looked career-worst 
you know, like Magomed Ankalaev lost in the second round. That's Ankalaev. The Johnny Walker performance, him going out there and kind of like bantering back and forth with uh, Johnny Walker about, you know, take taking money from my family. It's like, like all just weird things, like psychological things. It's almost like he's trying to think of anything to kind of motivate him and get that extra that extra uh, edge so he can get back into the fight. I don't know. It's a little weird. And I just feel like Anthony Smith is is at the end of his career. I truly do. He can go out there and replicate the performance against Ryan Spann if he's able to uh, get into a, a solid position on the ground. On the feet, I know that he did catch uh, Ryan Spann previously, but I, I just really love the power of Ryan Spann. I like what's happened to Ryan Spann since that loss. Uh, he did something correctly by going out there and getting a win over Ian Kutalaba and Dominic Reyes. Excellent striking. He lost in round one to Nikita Krilov. But I, I think I'm going to side with Ryan Spann in the rematch. I, I really do because Anthony Smith's previous performance just left a bad taste in my mouth, and I just don't necessarily know where his head's at. And I just feel like um, he's kind of just he, – he's his – really deteriorating like physically mentally um i don't know I, i'm just gonna side with ryan span at 8300 i do feel like this fight's necessary though i'll be getting to plenty of, of anthony smith and you know given how he has a win over ryan span already I, i'm expecting him to be one of the most popular underdogs yeah i mean it's one of these things and one one of the things kind of crazy is that you know, you think about Anthony Smith, this guy's been around this game for a long time. He's only three years older than Ryan Spann. It's not like Ryan yeah. Spann's this, you know, young guy. And, and the thing that sticks out to you is, you know, over at UFCstats.com, average fight time, nine minutes and 42 seconds for Anthony Smith, four minutes and 34 seconds for Ryan Spann. And of course, as I look over at prize picks, the fight time on this one is five minutes for Spann. I mean, look, if Ryan Spann wins this matchup, it's probably under, it's probably happening in the first round. Um, you know, I, I actually, if I was going to play anything on Ryan Spann, I might play the over 75 and a half fantasy score because, I mean, look, if he's going to win, he's going to get win in a first round. But uh, you, you mentioned great points. I mean, Anthony Smith, the guy just hasn't been, you know, kind of the same in his last two fights. And, you know, a guy that is very much on the back nine of his career. And, you know, he's really set himself up. I know, I know he spent most of his camp uh, at Factory X. He went back home uh, right before um, he went, you know, took that, that long-ass flight. I want to say, I was listening to his podcast. I want to say he said it was a 17-hour flight for him. Going from um, Nebraska to LA, then LA to I'm not sure if he had a straight flight to Singapore. Maybe he had one more stop. I mean that that's the one thing about this is, and that's where you got to kind of do that Instagram deep dive to truly see when did that fighter make that trip to Singapore? Did they not leave till Sunday, or did maybe they try to go there a week or two in, in advance of this one? Yeah, jet lag's a real thing, um, especially when you're balancing a weight cut. I'm expecting to see several weight misses. Um, you know, in addition to that, to that, it's just getting acclimated, right? The, the time change, everything's just going to be different and fighting at five and five o'clock in the morning, our time, it's, it's just going to be a little different, especially if you do not adjust your sleep schedule. Um, yeah. it, you can't really adjust two or three days prior. You, you should be trying to do this a week, week, week and a half, maybe two weeks out. Um, just doing weird things back here in the States if you're not there already. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's some that's like an X factor. So it's going to make the um, the fighters from the area probably have somewhat of an edge if they do train within there. But um, you know, I, it's an interesting spot because they're both from the states. So I'll be back in Ryan Span here, uh, just given the momentum of Anthony Smith's career. Dexter, I see that comment. I'm I'm with you on that one. You know, nothing nothing wrong with uh, starting your morning. You didn't start your morning right. You know. Oh, damn, that's awesome. Yeah. Bro, dude, I was – so um, Sunday I spent the day in NYC. I'm walking down the sidewalk. I had to do a double take. Dude's rolling a joint in Times Square. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I was like – I was like, yeah, yeah. That, that He's rolling a chain right on the sidewalk. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I talked about this on, on my podcast yesterday. Uh, Saturday night I saw a dude walking down the street, and um, pants were kind of down. Homeboy was walking and pissing. You could see the line. <laughs> Come on, Jason. <laughs> I was like, these streets are wild. I'm not in Tampa anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole different, 
all different ball game, bro. Yeah. Uh, let's move over next up. We got Giga Kaze taking on Alex Ceseris. Kaze minus 230 betting favorite plus 194 Ceseris over on DK. 9,000 for Giga, 7,200 for Ceseris. And uh, obviously, we've not seen Giga in a long time since that loss against Calvin Cater. And Pete, there's definitely a way for Alex to win this matchup. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't like the numbers attached to Giga. Like, minus 200 favorite. I, I just don't think so. I think it should be more in the minus 150 territory. I think that Alex Caceres is a very talented striker in his own right. Super tricky. Uh, has the clear jiu-jitsu advantage over Giga Chikadze. Um, It's just a matter of if he wants to go to the takedown well or if he just back chases and and is able to find the back of Giga Chikadze because I do think that his submission finish is completely live. We've seen Giga you know, get put in bad spots. We've seen him on the contender series. We've seen all that type of stuff. So he can get exposed. He's won some very, very close decisions early on in his career. Um, the one thing that I think is very interesting is the opposite stance. I mean, is they're both southpaws. Um, Giga will switch. But, uh, you know, the fact that Alex Caceres is a southpaw is going to basically eliminate the Giga kick, that liver kick. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued to see how he – uh, you know, just makes an adjustment to that type of stance because normally he goes to that well. He will threaten with the giga kick. He'll threaten with a, you know, the round kick to the body, the, you know, front kick to the body to set up a head kick. And now he, he can't really do so as easily as he has in the past when he's going up against an orthodox fighter. So outside of that, I do think that he is um, going to be a little less dynamic than usual, probably throwing more punches and knees up the middle. I am still going to side with Giga Chikadze to win a decision here. But let me just say that Alex Caceres is one of my favorite underdogs on the slate. Like I'm going to be picking him like crazy because I do think that, you know, from a finishing standpoint, I think that he has a much higher ceiling by getting a submission finish over Giga Chikadze. Like taking the back is something that he's very good at and something that I can see people capitalizing on Giga Chikaze's game. So uh, 7,200 Alex Caceres I think is an awesome punt play. I wouldn't even consider it a punt play. I think it's like a legitimate underdog that can win this fight all day long. Um, but I, I just do think that they're going to both be content to be on the feet and have a kickboxing match back, back and forth. So because of that, I'm going to be siding with Giga Chikaze to win two rounds and um, win a decision here over Alex Caceres. So not a, not a fight that I'm really in love with for the favorite, but for the underdog, I, I'm going to be smashing exposure to Alex Caceres. Yeah, you love the potential of the takedown upside, saying that he can get the fight to the ground and doesn't try to make this into a, a kickboxing matchup. Over on prize picks, if you're thinking this thing's going to go 10 minutes, maybe even go the full 15 minutes, going more 58 and a half significant strikes on yeah. Giga, I would hop on that line now before that gets a little bit higher. Just because of like, if it, if it hits 15 minutes, he's going to go more than 58 and a half significant strikes. So to me, that's where you attack it there. But I mean, look, it's. It's, it's it's styles make fights, and if Alex can get this fight to the ground, he's a great play at seventy two hundred. But that to me is is a big thing: is can he get to the ground or does he go there? And I know he's a, a coach over there now, over at the MMA Lab. Now, of course, one of our other big favorites on the card is Nakamura, who is a eight to one betting favorite taking on Garcia here. Uh, Nakamura ninety six hundred on DK Garcia sixty six hundred. Of course, uh, Nakamura comes from a fighting family. Yeah, I love Rinya Nakamura. He is my favorite prospect on this entire card. Um, I was talking about him a lot in his initial matchup against Toshio Makazama, and he went out there and just absolutely dominated. Um, you know, it was a round one victory in 33 seconds. Uh, his opponent, Toshio Makazama, kind of brought the fight to him, which led to him capitalizing on a lot of mistakes, you know, landing 11 significant strikes. Um, and just kind of knocking him down twice en route to a very quick finish with a quick win bonus, scoring 139 and 4.49. Um, I, I think that there is massive, massive potential for Rinya Nakamura to break the slate over Fernie Garcia. Uh, it's a price tag thing. It's an argument that you can have to have with yourself. Do you want Max Holloway? Do you want Rinya Nakamura? 
if you think a lot of cheap underdogs come through, I would suggest uh, pairing the two because they are two of my favorite, my two favorite plays on the entire slate. Um, Rinya Nakamura is a fantastic wrestler, like a very accomplished wrestler. Um, so we've really seen him just showcase his striking on his road to the mm-hmm. UFC and, and, you know, his debut in the UFC. So he can win fights by knockout. If he's ever met with resistance and unable to find a quick knockout, you're going to see him take his opponents to take down city. And he's going to go out there and he's going to break the slate by just ragdolling them because his wrestling is that, that good. Um, I do think that Fernie Garcia has been proven tough in the UFC by going the distance with Journey Newsom and Brady Highstand. More impressive with the Brady Highstand than Journey Newsom. But I do think that we've seen him get taken down and controlled. I like that when you're going up against Rinya Nakamura. And I do think that there are openings on the feet. So Rinya Nakamura is a no-brainer for me at 9,600. It's just does he go out there and get a win in one minute's time? I don't think so. I think it's going to be um, a dominant showing. So it, it's just like he still needs to get us north of 115 points. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's possible, and it's very, very likely. So Rinya Nakamura is a fantastic play. I know Fernie's a part of a good camp, but I, I just everything I'm seeing on tape just points me in Rinya Nakamura's direction very heavily. Yeah, I mean, I also think this is one of those situations where, uh, you know, it, it's a tailor-made matchup by the UFC because obviously yeah. they, they see the, the prospect they have here in Nakamura. There's a reason he's been put on this UFC Singapore card as opposed to maybe putting him on a an Apex card or, or maybe some of the other international events that are coming up here. There's a reason they put him on this card. So I really do like him in their spot. But, I mean, it's just one of those things of – you know, you're not putting Holloway and Nakamura in the same lineup. You know, I wish. I mean, I mean you. I, I mean, unless you really like some low underdogs here. But to me, is I'd rather spend a hundred dollars more to get the Max Holloway because of a the potential of five rounds versus two rounds and and, and Nakamura. I mean, I, I get why you get there. I mean, Nakamura, uh, you know, over prize picks, significant strikes twenty eight and a half, fight time five minutes, uh, fantasy score one eighteen and a half. If you think he can go out there and get a first round win? I would like to go with that fantasy score of one hundred and eighteen and a half. Let's move over next up. We got a big matchup in the female division here. We got Blanchfield taking on Santos Blanchfield. He's a minus one fifty betting favorite. Plus 125 for the from the former title challenger Anthalia Santos over on DK 8500 for Blanchfield and Santos is 7700. We talked about the mid range, Pete. This is kind of one of those fights. I think hey, you got to kind of. I want to see where ownership goes. Does it take a little bit of a of a slide here to the, from what we're seeing right now? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm really surprised that this isn't the co main event. I, I mean, it, like, there's a lot of title implications within this matchup, right? Like. Aaron Blanchfield, the hottest prospect in the women's divi- in the women's flyweight division. Tyler Santos just coming off a recent performance against the ex-champ Valentina Shevchenko, lost a split decision. She could have arguably won that fight if you go back and you watch it. I think this is a big, big test for Aaron Blanchfield, but she's passed every test thus far. And there are some X factors that I'm bringing into this. Is you know when, when you've I kind of feel like Tyler Santos might have reached the pinnacle of her career by putting up a very, very close fight against Valentina Shevchenko. And uh, it's got to be deflating when you go out there and you put together a very, very good performance. Some people thought you won it, and then you still walk out with the L. You know, motivation-wise, you you could respond two ways. You can go out there, and it, it leads to, you know, you developing more, and just improving and staying in and becoming even hungrier, or it can be somewhat deflating. And, and now you got to work your way back to it. And now you got to face this hot prospect in Aaron Blanchfield. Then you bring into the, another X factor of Tyler Santos having all these issues with her head coaches, um, claiming that they never, they never were paid, uh, which led to some legal battle. So that's why we haven't necessarily seen her in a, over a year. Um, so, like, it's it's an interesting fight camp dynamic for Tyler Santos going into this matchup. And I'll tell you what, I love what I've seen from my girl, Erin Blanchfield. I've been calling it. Just think we got her as an underdog against Jessica Andrade. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's been amazing. And even against Miranda Maverick, I think that she's able to go out there and strike 
decently well with a lot of people. This is a very tough matchup for her against Tyla Santos because she's strong and she throws good combinations. Um, but some of the things I've seen from Tyla Santos when she is put on her back are worrisome. I, I think that Blanchfield, once she gets that initial takedown, I feel like the walls are somewhat down and then she's going to be able to get the next ones even easier. So uh, I love the price tag on Aaron Blanchfield here at 8500 I think she's going to work towards a submission finish because what I saw from Tyla Santos off of her back in the Valentina Shevchenko fight, granted it's Shevchenko, but I do see some openings for Aaron Blanchfield to just go out there and do some of her best work on her way to a title fight. Yeah, I mean, I just love the price point here on Aaron Blanchfield. I mean, the one of the things is I do want to see if there's a takedown prop that ends up getting put over there on prize picks. That would be kind of an interesting number to see what that's put at. Uh, her significant strikes, 45.5, and, and her fantasy score, 74.5. I, I look at that fantasy score, 74.5, looking to go more than that. That will probably be one of those, those plays that uh, will be kind of probably a core play for me over on prize picks as I start to put together my cards for prize picks coming up here this weekend. Next up, we got a... Uh, Low-level heavyweight fight. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, yeah. this is this is low-level heavyweight to the in the UFC. Junior Taffa taking on Parker Porter. Uh, minus 150 for Junior Taffa. Parker Porter plus 125. Taffa is 8,600 on DK. And for Parker Porter, he's 7,600. Right, so you're going against your fellow uh, Northeast uh, fighter here? Yeah, I'm going to root for Parker Porter as I always root for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going Junior Taffa here. I think Junior Taffa is going to... You know, Clip Parker Porter on the feet. Um, there are concerns about Junior Taffa's ground game. Obviously, he's, you know, not as natural of a heavyweight as his brother Justin Taffa, uh, but he's a very big guy in his own right, very good striker, probably a more um, a more dynamic striker than his brother, who's just a, a one-hitter quitter. And we saw Parker Porter just get absolutely flatlined in one minute and six seconds against Justin Taffa. Uh, you, you know that Parker Porter is very, very hittable on the feet. And I do think that this is – I'm kind of surprised that the line's as sharp as it is because I was hoping it would be like a buy-low spot for, for Junior Taffa coming off a loss to Muhammad Usman. But I think it's the market just not really believing in the win um, over Braxton Smith that Parker Porter has. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Junior Taffa here to, to knock out Parker Porter. If that doesn't happen – then my expectation is that Parker Porter has been able to clinch him up, work towards getting a takedown, uh, making it dirty. And we, we've seen him. He has good submission skills. And Junior Taffa, when he is taken down, does look a little bit lost. Uh, Mohamed Usman went out there and just come, you know, wet blanketed him. So uh, uh, I'm going to be picking Junior Taffa at 8,600. But given the division, you know, it, you, you've, you can do worse than, than picking an underdog in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, over on prize picks, I like the under seven and a half minute fight time on, on this one just because, I mean, look, it's low level heavyweight. Um, if you're Parker Poor, you got to imagine the mindset has got to be to try to make this a grappling matchup. Maybe maybe part of that thought process is, is make it kind of a, a dirty fight up against the fence. Don't let this get at range. Um, but it's it's one of those fights where you when you're rostering it, you're not going to feel good rostering your side because you just know the volatility. It, you talk about... When we talk about other DFS sports, we talk about boom bust. To me, this is a boom bust fight of the week. You know, one of these guys is likely going to get 100 points. The other is not. Like you mentioned earlier on the show, I mean, Parker Poirier is coming off that win against Braxton Smith, but Braxton Smith, I mean, you know, two minutes cardio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and then it comes down to experience, right? Like MMA experience is everything, and Parker Porter has – a lot more MMA experience yeah. than Junior Taffa. So uh, if if Junior Taffa goes out there and either just expends too much energy early or, you know, allows Parker Porter to clinch him against the cage, I, I think that's when you could get a, a typical vet lesson from Parker Porter. Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for Fight HQ. If you have to be watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. We much appreciate that. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. Uh, what we always try to do is uh, we got the shows here. It'll now be on Thursdays, and also we'll have some clips on the channel on Fridays and, and on Saturdays. You can check it out. This week, you'll get some clips on Friday. Um, Pete, I'm not going to be up at 5 a.m. watching these fights live. I'm just telling you. You might very well be up at 5 a.m. just because, well, You've got you've got a young baby that might wake you up <laughs> so you can watch this, but uh, I, I got a Bucks broadcast that night, so yeah, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. 
I think I'm going to, um, because then I, I have to teach a seminar at nine o'clock in the morning. So I might as well start my, my day early. Um, and then I got to teach a striking seminar at nine. And, um, and then I think I got a couple fantasy football drafts. So yeah, I'm excited. Saturday is going to be a good day. Oh, well, not a wrestling seminar. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no wrestling seminar. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would laugh if you said, "Hey, I got a seminar. I'm doing. Uh, I'm going in there to do, teach some wrestling." I'd be like, "Huh?" Yeah, no. I mean, I definitely could, um, but yeah, that's not my not my strong suit. We, we, um, we, we, we know your forte. We we know we know your forte in terms of that one. Uh, let's move over next up. We got Cortez Acosta taking on Bresky. Uh, Bresky a plus one ninety betting favorite. My star. Uh, Plus 190 betting underdog, minus 230 for Cortez Acosta. Acosta, 9100 DK, and Bresky is 7100. Yeah, I mean, this fight. I hate to like discredit some heavyweights, but man, these. You got Cortez Acosta, who's primarily a boxer, doesn't check leg kicks at all. Lukash Bresky, just a gas, gassing type of guy. Um, I mean, his previous performance was horrible against Carl Williams. Threw 46 significant strikes, landed 26, um, was taken down, I don't know how many times, and just controlled. Just it's a slobby, sloppy fight between these guys. It like just I don't know. It's very low level. Um Breschke's more of a, a a just plotter where Cortez Acosta will move on the outside, throw good combinations. Um I don't know, man. They're, they're both kind of slops for the division, but I, I think that Waldo Cortez Acosta is in a good spot to to win over here against Lukash Bresky, who doesn't really show much of anything. I mean, the, the split decision to Martin Boudet, in hindsight, that looks really good, right? I mean, he threw 273 significant strikes, landed 118, turned that into an ugly fight. Um, so obviously, if you put Bresky on his back, He's not the same type of fighter because look what happened in the Carl Williams performance. But I don't know, man. I, I think that Waldo Cortez Acosta is just going to be a little too crisp on the feet en route to another decision. And that'll be, uh, you know, four straight fights that Cortez Acosta has gone the distance. And that's kind of what my expectation is for this fight. Yeah, that's, uh, I was looking over that fight time. It's a, a 14 and three quarters on prize picks. And I, and I just feel like. Yeah, you know, if I was gonna play anything, that's that's the one I'm gonna play over there. Uh, Cortez Costa, I mean, a high price point on DK. Don't really love that in terms of that one. Um, next up, we got a matchup that we talked a little bit about a little bit earlier of Armfield and Kazama. Kazama, a plus one forty betting underdog, minus one sixty four. Armfield, Armfield is eighty seven hundred on DK and seventy five hundred for Kazama. Yeah, so I, I like both sides. I, I do like. I am going to get a little aggressive with the underdog. Um, I'm going to get aggressive with Toshio Makazama at 7,500. I think that he can find the submission over Garrett Armfield. I, I really do. Uh, Garrett Armfield on the feet is going to be the better fighter. Um, the wrestling should be leaning in Armfield's direction. Um, I don't know how either one of these fighters are really going to respond in the, in the third round. And they're both coming off of relatively low level regional, you know, regional careers. Uh, you look at the strength of schedule and it's pretty concerning for both of them if they start facing better opposition. So now you got two guys who's, who have fought low level talent pairing off against each other. So it's, it's a little difficult. I understand backing the American Garrett Armfield because of the wrestling, but if he does choose, to, if he does wrestle against Toshioma Kazama, I feel like he's kind of playing into the game. Uh, yeah, you could put a stamp on rounds, but what you're going to do is you're going to make Kazama feel comfortable. Um, and, and he has some really sneaky jujitsu. Like I'm talking nasty jujitsu. So because it's a close fight, because of the takedowns of Armfield, you know, kind of going into the the danger territory against Toshioma Kazama. I think I think Kazama's going to find a submission here. I really do, but this does this fight has been circled for me and this does seem like an optimal fight to target just because of the the question marks on, on both sides and Armfield coming from a, a very very strong camp in Killcliff FC, but I am going to pick Kazama to win by submission. I I, I think that's 
that's an inter- I can't wait to see what the line is. They don't have it out right now, but I do think that that is a path to victory for sure. Yeah, and also, I mean, looking at ownership, this is one of those fights that I talk about every week as, as I'm just looking at what ownership is on, on DraftKings right now of when you have two guys who are getting low ownership, it's, it's, you, oh, you're looking wow. for that leverage play. That, that's something to me. <laughs> yeah, you, you see what I'm looking at. You see what I'm looking at. You go, ooh, this is a fight that I want to kind of get to because people are not getting to it. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. I, 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 where are you going? Where, where are they going? Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I just think that it's because of the high ownership around. I mean, another one is that I'm actually surprised on is Chikadze and Ciceras. That's another ownership play this week when you're looking to, to find leverage on a fight. Those to me, these are the two fights of the weekend to look at. There's there's other ones out there that have low ones. Cortez Acosta and Bredsky's another one, but don't really love that for GPPs. Well, that, that's kind of what I was just going to say right now. That's exactly what I'm looking at is like the Cortez Acosta fight and the Bredsky fight that fight has more ownership than the Armfield Kazama fight. And to me, that seems opposite. I mean, granted, yeah. it's got to be because of the, the heavyweight narrative and how heavyweight fights typically end early. But a lot of times we have those sloppy 15-minute fights. So um, I would much rather get to the, the bantamweight bout. No doubt about it. Next up, we got Pizza favorite salary of the week, the A200 8,000 fight. You got uh, Injikwani taking Ola Shechuk. Injikwani is minus 105, plus one fi- minus 115 for Ola Shechuk. Ola Shechuk, he's the A200 fighter in this one, and Chidi Bang Bang is 8,000. Yeah, man, I don't know what the hell to do with this fight, if I'm being honest. I mean, Chidi Injikwani from, sp- you know, in space is going to be fine when he's – given room to work he throws great straight punches great you know tie kicks great knees up the middle solid in the clinch very good striker at distance when you crash distance and you make this an ugly fight you see that he has he wilts a little bit under pressure if he gets taken down you see that confidence completely deflate you see his stand up and get up ability to diminish over time that cardio is in question um that gut check type of stuff he doesn't really check a lot of boxes for me he does have excellent round one ko upside the issue is i don't think that he's going to be able to ko Mikhail olashechuk because we haven't necessarily seen that happen and if olashechuk gets hurt on the feet guess what he's going to do he's going to shoot a takedown um you know i i, I actually think i'm going to be setting with Mikhail olashechuk here just slightly I have concerns about him getting submitted against most people, but Chidi and Jaquani is not a submission threat. Um, and I do think that takedowns can be achieved in this matchup against Chidi and Jaquani. We have seen him go to, to the wrestling well sometimes in his his debut against Khalil Roundtree. He, he went two of three in the takedown department, uh, one of two against Dustin Jacoby. I mean, you may just need one takedown against Chidi and Jaquani to keep him down and work towards a finish. Um, we've seen Chidi get TKO'd against Gregory Rodriguez. He did have a very close fight um, and an interesting split decision defeat to Albert Duraev. But Duraev hasn't really panned out like we thought he was going to. So I'll be picking Mihal Olashechuk here at 8,200. He is 6-4-1 in the UFC. Meanwhile, Chidi and Jaquani is only 2-2 two and two and very green when it hits the mat. Yeah, I mean, you bring up great points here, but I got to bring up another point on this one. Sizable reach advantage here for Cheedy. 80 inches yeah. versus 74. That that to me is if he can keep this thing in range, that's why we're price picks. Mm-hmm. The price picks line that really sticks out to me is a fight time minutes of seven and a half here. I, I call me crazy. I like the more. I think this thing goes more than seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I think if it goes more, it probably is in the Olashechuk side because like from what we've seen from Chidi, he he does gas and he is excellent in rounds one and two. So it's close, right? It, it's very close. Uh, but if he goes out there and he kind of dances on the outside and uses that reach, you could see a non-optimal fight here. And I'm going to be pivoting away from this fight in some of my lineups because if it does go 15 minutes, most people aren't expecting it to. But, um, you know, that, that's where a mediocre – distance type of striking performance is uh, not optimal. Next up, we got Bedoya taking on Kanan. Kanan 7,000 on DK. 9,200 for Bedoya. Bedoya is a minus 320 betting favorite, plus 250 for Song Kanan. Yeah, I like Rolando Bedoya here quite a bit. 
Um, I think from a value standpoint, people are going to be getting to Song Kanan uh, because of what he did to Ian Gary by dropping Ian Gary. He landed 55 of 110 significant strikes, uh, landed two of three takedowns, got a knockdown. Um, so yeah, I think from a punt play, he's, you know, you could do a lot worse than getting to, uh, Song Kanan. I would rather get to Song Kanan than a lot of underdogs. Um, but I do think that this guy, Rolando Bedoy is good. Debuting against Chaos Williams is impressive, especially when you're, you're putting together a competitive fight on the feet, landing 149 of 209 significant strikes. Um, you know, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. That's a difficult debut. And now going up against the guy who has been knocked out several times and hurt within his career. I know that he has the UFC experience. Song Kanan's four and three in the UFC. But if you look at who he's beaten, those fighters are no longer with the promotion. Uh, Callan Potter, Derek Krantz, Hector Aldana, Bobby Nash. So those fighters have come and gone. I do think a guy in Rolando Bodoya is very, very tough. And um, I was impressed in his debut. So uh, I think that a lot of people are going to be getting to the Song Kanan side because of the Gary. And I actually think that it should be the opposite. I think that, you know, there is a ton of damage on him. And you saw what Bedoya did against Chaos Williams. So I'll be siding with Bedoya pretty heavily. I think that he does find a finish um, in rounds two or three. So a later finish. So the 9200 price tag is is okay, but I'd rather get to the, the true spend-ups. No doubt about uh, in terms of that. Now we got a guy that uh, we make his UFC debut after a win on Contender Series, a guy that uh, we're both familiar with, Billy Goff, yep. as he is a plus 115 betting underdog taking on Kinoshita, who's a minus 135. He's 8,400 DK, and for Billy Goff, he is 7,800. And uh, this is another one. Look at the favorite here in his ownership, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an optimal fight. I, I really do. Just I've I've seen a lot of Billy Golf fights. I've um he's really good friends with my friend Brennan Ward. Um, you know, like Billy Goff's a very talented fighter and has that dog in him where he's gonna fight as long as he's conscious. The issue is that Billy Goff gets tagged on the feet and dropped in a lot of his fights. Um, but if you're unable to put him away, you know, he, he's gonna work his way back in. If you have any slight cardio questions about you, and you don't have the best gas tank, he's going to go out there and he's going to break you because he's going to wrestle back. He's going to clinch with you. He's going to throw elbows. And when you hit him with everything but the kitchen sink and he's still coming forward, it's disheartening for a lot of people and he breaks people. He's an absolute grinder. So I'm worried about Billy Goff getting knocked down and finished one of these days because it's it's happened in a lot of his fights. But I just uh, I'm not that impressed with Yusako Kinoshita Outside of training with Killcliffe FC, there's not really much else that's tilting me towards him winning this fight. I think that if Billy wants to wrestle, he can have an absolute easy path to victory because you saw what happened when Adam Fugit took him down and uh, hurt him and then you know just kind of got on top and rained down elbows. That's what Billy Goff does the best. So um, I, I think that Billy Goff just needs to be mindful on the feet. This could be a takedown city type of fight. This could be one takedown's all he needs, but I'm expecting a finish. Inside the distance is a great play. Fight to not go the distance is a great play. I'll be backing Billy Goff here at 7,800. Fingers crossed he doesn't get dropped and finished. Um, but yeah, th this fight is absolutely circled. I, I think that it's going to be a monster score, but I'm going to be backing Billy Goff here. I think he's going to TKO Yusaka Kinoshita. Next up, we got a female matchup, another big 9,000 option here in J.J. Aldrich, who is 9,400 DK. She's a minus 550 betting favorite. Uh, Leanna is 6,800 on DK and a plus 400 betting underdog. Yeah, I'm not going to spend much time on this. I, I think that J.J. Aldrich is the rightful favorite, uh, basically 6-1 to one favorite, um, has fought the who's who within the you know women's mixed martial arts. She's 7-5 and five in the UFC has not found a finish in her entire UFC career. So that's quite ridiculous, but guess what? The stars are aligning. I know that Brad Tavares didn't get it last week against Chris Weidman. Um, he was very close to if he kept just hammering those. I mean, he was hammering the leg kicks, but I thought that he was going to pick it up. J.J. Aldrich is going to find her first finish in the UFC. So at 9,400, 
um, expecting 100 plus points. If you like, a, if you develop a lineup with five fighters that you really like, and you have 9400, I wouldn't say pivot away from JJ. I think that you know Liang Na is a very volatile fighter. Goes out there, throws caution to the wind, makes way too many mistakes for my liking. Priced at 6800, I think it's appropriate. I think she loses, and I think she gets finished in the second round. So give me JJ Aldrich to win by KO TKO in round two. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one. Then, of course, our first five of the night, you got Choi and Aaron's. Aaron's is a plus 145 betting underdog. Choi is minus 170. He's 8,800 DK. And for Jarno, Aaron's, he is 7,400 on DK. Yeah, so, I mean, Jarno Aaron's had an okay performance against William Gomez. Kind of hurt him on the feet a couple times. Uh, Looked for a submission win a couple times as well. On the feet, I do think that Sung Woo Choi is going to be the better fighter. I think he's going to throw crisp combinations. I think he can hurt Jarno Aaron's on the feet. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy that went, you know, the distance against Joshua Kulibau, lost via split. So that really has a ton of value. He has a win over Yusef Salal in a 15 minute affair, a KO over Julian Arosa. I, I don't think that Jarno Aaron's is a bad fighter by any means, but I don't think that he's ready for somebody who's fought, you know, eight competitive fights in the UFC. So three and five in the UFC, relatively disappointing for what we expected for Sung Woo Choi. But I do think that there are some positives to take out of some of these losses. Uh, The best way to beat Sung Woo Choi is take him down and submit him. Jarno Aarons has some explosive throws and he has some sneaky submissions. So, um, you know, it's the first fight of the night. First fight of the night has been optimal. I don't know how many times lately. So it's got to be like 75% of the time. At least it seems that way. So I'll be getting to this fight, but I'm going to be backing Sung Woo Choi to win a decision. Um, you know, the best way for Aaron's to, to pull this off is hurt him on the feet, take him down and sub him. And I, I like his chances a decent, I think that he, I like him a lot more than Song Kanan. I'll tell you that. So, like, when I'm seeing more ownership, you know, to Song Kanan or Liang Na or something like that, I'm going to be getting to Jarno Aaron's a little bit more. He's an average underdog on this slate, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, I will say this as we're about to get into our straight up fight picks. Uh, really tough to find some underdogs this week. I'm just saying. In terms yeah. of just from a straight up fight picks, I like uh, main event. Uh, yeah, give, give me, uh, give me Max. Max Holloway, baby. A co-main event, I'm going to go Ryan Spann. Don't feel great about it. I think it's more recency bias with what, what's been happening with Anthony Smith. Totally agree, Ryan Spann. Uh, I'm going to go Giga, even though uh, there is definitely a path for Alex. Same, Giga. Uh, next up, uh, I'll go Nakamura. I think this is a showcase fight for him. Nakamura, big time. I like Blanchfield. Blanchfield? Low-level heavyweights, uh, give me Junior Taffa. Taffa? Don't feel great about Give me Cortez Acosta. Cortez Acosta. Uh, I think we're going to be uh, different on this one. I got to go with my guy, Garrett Armfield. Okay. Uh, close fight. I'm going uh, Toshi Obama-Kazama. Uh, next up, uh, I'm going to go Ola Shechuk. Ola Shechuk as well. Give, give me Bedoya. Bedoya. I have a feeling we're going to be different on this one. Um, I'm going to go uh, Kinoshita. Okay. I'm going to go Billy Goff. Give me Aldrich. Aldrich. Give me Choi. Uh, Vulcan, appreciate there the comments. He says, uh, <laughs> you're talking about for Europeans have to stay until 7 a.m. Yeah, I remember when I was in Germany. Uh, yeah, I could not do it. I could not do it. I, I watched that thing uh, after the fact. Let's get into some Discord questions here. Uh, first up, value plays underneath 8K. Uh, as I look at Pete, I look at Alex Aceris because of that potential grappling upside um parker porter another potential grappling upside in terms of him you mentioned about kazama uh and uh i would throw billy golf as another one as a value player underneath ak yeah i mean there's close fights right like the smith and the tyler santos fights could be really close but from like breaking the slate potential i'm going to answer it like this billy golf toshioma kazama alex caceres and then the wild card would be jarno aarons for me uh, which three fires would you put in a parlay? Can't include Aldrich, Holloway, or Nakamura. Well, I mean, well, Holloway and Nakamura are the one favorites. They'll re-offer you a ton of value in parlays. Yeah, but I think I'd go Junior Tafa. So, listen, if you're doing a parlay like that, avoiding the massive chalk, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. It, it's mm-hmm. a lot less of a sure thing, and I like having sure things for my, my parlays. I don't care if it's safe money. 
Um, but what I would say is probably Junior Topple one, Blanchfield two. Where the hell do we go for three? You're probably going to say Armfield. I don't. I don't like that call. Well, you're, were the first two you said? Blanchfield and Taffa. If I was going to go a third, oof. Um, Bedoya. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Like uh, best leverage play. I, I think it's looking at fights. I think you got to look at the Armfield Kazama, Choi, Aaron's. Um, and then I think Kenshita Golf are the three like leverage spots. Junior Toff is looking like a massive leverage guy too. You see that? Yes. Oh wow! I just noticed that. Yeah, that that's a massive leverage spot. Yeah, Junior Toff at top of the list. Yes. That better be wrong. If it ain't wrong, we win it at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best takedown upside. Uh, Rinya Nakamura is no. Rinya Nakamura is two. Blanchfield's one. Where do we go after that? Uh, I would. How about Anthony Smith? Is a sneaky one. That. I think it's sneaky. I don't. The thing is, is like he hasn't landed more than one takedown. Yeah. Until you go all the way back. I just, to, I, I just don't think him having a striking matchup with Span is the best thing. I know this matchup is very, very me. odd. I'm gonna say Billy Goff from a takedown standpoint. I, I think that he's an interesting one. Uh, rank the 9K options. So we got uh, Holloway at 9.7, Nakamura at 9.6, Aldrich 9.4, Bedoya 9.2, uh, Cortez Acosta 9.1, Chikaze 9.0. Okay, I'll say this. Out of those six fighters, I already know who number six is. It's Cortez Acosta. Oh, I disagree. Who who would you put at number six? Giga. Really? Yeah. I think it's my, my, my fear is Ciceros lets the ego get the best of him and he tries to have a striking matchup. I think and he, he gets can have a striking matchup, though. The, the issue is, like, the heavyweight division, I think that the likelihood is that those fights finish. So, like, I'm not going to put him last. I actually, and this never happens, I think DraftKings got the, the pricing correctly. I think my ranking of the 9,000 options goes directly in line with it. Holloway 1, Nakamura 2, Aldrich 3, Bodoya 4, Cortez Acosta 5, Gingiga 6. I don't that feel never happens. Yeah, I don't feel good about this. I'd probably put Aldrich two, um, just because of the competition. Um, I would go Holloway one because of the five round aspect. I go Aldrich two, Nakamura three. I'll go uh, Padoya four, Chikaze five, Cortez Cortez six. Okay. Um, some other things uh, to mention here. Just look in Discord, make sure there's no other questions. Um, you know, I, I I look at that mid range. I look at someone like a Blanchfield, a Span. If that ownership's correct on Junior Taffa, I look at him as well. And, and that underneath 7.4K, I, I think the one that sticks out to me the most is Ceceris just because of the grappling upside. Um, and and I know uh, Volkan in, in chat was up mentioning about uh, Aaron's and his wrestling ability. Yeah, I think that Aaron's is, has wrestling ability. I mean, he likes throws. The issue is he went for a lot of throws and, and takedowns, but he ended up underneath William Gomez a lot. And I do think that Sungwoo Choi, in my mind, is better than William Gomez. I know that Gomez has a win over Francis Marshall, who is supposed to be a crazy prospect, but like Sungwoo Choi's grappling is is subpar, but I feel like he can defend takedowns at a decent rate or at least land on top. So like I understand that's why I call Jarno Aaron's a solid underdog, but nobody nothing that's really jumping off the table. Yeah, that's going to be the thing of this week. To me, the hardest part is finding those underdogs that you like that may aren't necessarily you know boom bust plays like you know we mentioned about Parker Porter. So, of course, if you uh, watch this after the fact, got any questions? You can hop into our Discord, totally free to join. We'll have that DraftKings contest up here later on today. Also, the show will be up on the podcasting platforms as well. I know uh, some people like to check this out in audio form. Uh, Pete, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Good luck. Good luck, everybody. I, I think, you know, make sure that you set your lineups early, obviously, because it's an early start time. So, like, you should, you know, as soon as you see the weigh-ins, you should start creating your lineups and by Friday night, submit them. And, uh, yeah, good luck. Let us know how it goes in Discord and uh, excited to have some uh, discussion in our Discord channel. And let's knock on some wood. There's no changes like 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. <laughs> that but, would yeah, that's not be like, good. If you, if you stay up like I do. 
you might have an advantage. So uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that that is the one thing. And maybe if you want to get up, maybe get up about four o'clock, uh, you know, East Coast time on Saturday, just to make sure that no fights are canceled. Because, uh, yeah, that could really ruin your morning on Saturday morning. You wake up and you realize you have somebody in your line. I'm saying you have high high exposure to, and they're no longer fighting. You know how many times I've lost money on Counter Strike because like one of the players is inactive, and it, like they have like five o'clock, four o'clock start times, and I wake uh. up I'm like, oh, cool, thanks for the donation, right? Like, <laughs> you know. That is awesome. That is awesome. Always great to talk to the fight game with my guy, Pete Rogers Jr. Of course, so we'll be back here next week uh, as we're just in a stretch of UFC shows every week. Of course, a contender series is going on. I know a couple guys that are a part of it. Mitch Ramirez, part of a contender series next week. He was actually one of the guys that was kicked off the ultimate fire for Connors guys to get put onto that show. Oh, no. um, he, he's a guy originally from Utah, now training in Las Vegas. Uh, also, uh, Chandler Cole, a guy that I've, I've known for several years now, a heavyweight fighter. He was a part of the ultimate fire a couple years ago he's getting an opportunity on contender series so i'll be looking forward to watching that next week there on the contender series so as always we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of fight hq podcast and we will talk to you next week as we'll get you ready for next week's ufc fight night card